When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. The men's and women's college basketball season is in the books. Now we turn to the offseason and the inevitable realignment among conferences in college sports. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel sitting in for the guys on this Tuesday afternoon as always presented by Progressive Insurance. The final four field that we had this year was unlike any other. FAU, San Diego State, Miami, and UConn. UConn ends up sweeping through the field this year. They win a national championship on Monday night. They are the darlings of the Big East. They have five national titles to their name. On the other side of that is a San Diego State team, Gabe, that has been one of the better teams in college basketball over the last 15 years, outside of the 2016-17 season, dating back to 2005. This is a program that's won at least 20 games every single year. They get here this year. They go to the national title game. They come up short. But this is a team that other conferences outside of the Mountain West are eyeing as potential member institutions when conference realignment ends up picking back steam, back up steam this offseason. It happened last year when UCLA and USC bolted from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. And, of course, we saw it the year before when Texas and Oklahoma decided to leave the Big 12 and eventually will be joining the SEC. So when you take a look here at what this means for Blue Blood programs, what this means for the mid-major programs, the San Diego States of the world, this tournament and what we saw in 2023 where anybody, it felt like, could make it into the round of the Final Four, into the national championship, San Diego State might be starting a trend here for these mid-major programs and the level of parity that we've seen to continue beyond this season. But hasn't this already been going on in college basketball? I mean, Butler, over a decade ago, played for back-to-back national championships. Gonzaga has made, and and Gonzaga, you can say they're a major program, sure, but they play in a mid-major conference, they always have, and they've made the Sweet 16 eight, nine years in a row. So I feel like this is a trend that even goes back, you know, uh, more than a decade at this point, where teams have been able to make runs, establish themselves. Butler ended up in the new Big East, and they were able to now establish themselves there um, and haven't had you know much success you know as much as they did when they made it to back-to-back national championship games. So, I mean, th- there is a blueprint out there for these teams, and I think the parity is just going to continue as long as that transfer portal remains open and players can jump from one school to the next without having to sit out a season, which, by the way, I'm in favor of. I don't think that's a bad thing. If these players bounce around and the team is good enough, people are going to tune in and watch. I mean, how many people knew who Marquise Noel was before the, the tournament started? He made himself a star with the way he was able to play and, and make big shots and have these unbelievable passes and have 20 assists in a tournament game. And that's a name now people who watch college basketball recognize from a program that isn't that recognizable in Kansas State. Yes, they've had some success. Certainly not a blue blood program. 
program. It's it is what the state of college basketball is, and it's something that's been really building for the last, I would say, ten to fifteen years. NIL, the transfer portal, two things that are the big winners of March Madness, both in the men's game and the women's game, and that's what's shaping conference realignment, teams and the parity that we've seen throughout the men's game be able to maintain this level of it's anybody's shot once you get to the month of March. Now, we go back to the first round was fairly Dickinson, a team that shouldn't have even been playing in the NCAA tournament because they didn't win their conference. Merrimack was transitioning from D2 to D1 and was not eligible. You know the story there. That's probably more of an anomaly than a nor- than a norm, but think about Houston. Think about San Diego State. Heck, even think about FAU. They're one of the better teams in college basketball this year and probably seated too low at nine, but because they play in a smaller conference, that ends up hurting those programs and where they get seated. If UConn wasn't in the Big East, if they were still in the American, they don't get to this point. A lot of it has to do with competition. A -hmm. lot of it has to do with promotion, which is why the idea of conference realignment in college basketball, that's one that is here to stay. Sean Farnham was on with us on Freddie and Fitzsimmons on Monday night following the national championship. I asked him about parity in this tournament. Is this something that we expect to happen from year to year going forward? as much as we've seen in 2023. And is it also a sign of things to come? Here's Sean Farnham. I think we'll see more tournaments that are similar to this as far as the upsets go. Uh, Do I think that we have an opportunity to have some teams next year that could be elite? Uh, Sure, I do. Um, And and I think that, you know, we'll see more ones and twos and threes get their way to the Final Four. I think that was a little bit more of an aberration this year. Um, But those upsets, and we see them now happen twice in the last five years in between you know, 16 seeds, knocking off one seeds, that's going to continue to happen. 15 seeds, winning, it's going to happen. Um, you know, NIL, everybody thought there would be just 20 teams that are going to just roll away this thing because yeah. of NIL and, mm-hmm. and the, the, the money and the funding that could go on there. Uh, but really what it's come down to, it, it, at the end of the day, with the transfer portal and everything else, you still only five guys are playing out on the floor at one point in time. So, you know, there's only so many guys you're going to have on your roster that think they're stars. And they're going to look and try to find their opportunity to be stars. And they're going to look elsewhere to get it done sometimes. Three schools right now that we know of are going to be finding new homes in the next college basketball season. I think of Houston. They are going to be leaving the AAC for the Big 12. It's a bigger stage. It's promotion that helps you with recruiting. It helps you with a product that people want to watch and getting your players that sort of exposure. San Diego State, this is something Brian Dutcher, their head coach, Gabe, talked about two weeks ago now that realignment's inevitable and it's something that's going to happen now do they end up in san diego state leaving for the pac-12 they've expressed interest they've also lost two member institutions do they end up going to the big 12 what we know is this is a program that has had success on the football field success on the men's basketball court and they are a viable product down there in san diego in southern california where there's no real team that has a foothold in that area prime opportunity for them to make the jump into a bigger conference but i wonder is this going to be something that we get the next version of a san diego state maybe it's fau a team that can repeatedly get to this stage of March Madness, will this become the launching ground year after year? Hey, this team with some mid-major programs had a couple good years. Are we going to start seeing that trend where those teams then leave the next year or so for for the next big thing? I don't know if that's a great thing for college sports, but frankly, that feels like that is exactly where we are headed.
Yeah, no, we're, we're absolutely heading that way and may already be there with some of the conference realignment that has already happened. And you can't blame these institutions. Like, yeah, if you're Houston, like it's, it's tough to find Houston basketball games on TV. So making the, the jump to Big 12 where now your games are going to be televised on a regular basis on ESPN seems like a no-brainer for them. Same thing with San Diego State. You, you attach yourself to a conference that has a good media deal, and that's only going to be good for you and your recruiting platform because your games become easily more consumable and it's easier to get out and and hey you're interested in our program just watch our game on this instead of just being showcased you know in a three-week run that you hope you go on once we hit March Madness when all those games are featured on TV did you like the parody this year in college basketball in the men's game because we we started to see more of it in the women's game they're not Mm -hmm. on the same level yet but the men's game at the sweet 16 and on you had to rewrite your bracket. I know we do the reseeding at ESPN.com, but it was anybody's game at that point because the teams felt so evenly matched. I, I enjoyed it. I really did. And that's because once you get to that point, as long as you're playing good basketball games, and yes, UConn really was the only team that was just blowing people out consistently, but the way Miami was able to come back in, on their road to the Final Four, the way FAU played in such tight games, and of course, you know they, they end up losing on the buzzer beater in the Final Four, if you're putting good basketball games out there, I think people are still going to tune in and watch. Yeah, yeah you're, it, it's going to be tough to get to a number like UNC and Duke. I think they drew like 18 million people for their semifinal game a year ago, but that's UNC and Duke. That's the outlier. It doesn't matter, you know, how good those teams are. People are just going to tune in because they happen to know those two programs. They probably don't know a, a number of the players, but if you put an entertaining game out there, people are going to tune in. Just like I think people tuned in on the women's side. Like people were excited because they thought that LSU and Iowa was going to be a really good game, and they tuned tuned in in droves on Sunday afternoon to watch that national championship game. If you're putting a good product out there it to me it doesn't matter what the name on the front of the jersey is as long as you're going to be an entertaining product a good product could be a five seed versus a four seed the way that we saw san diego state and uconn in the national championship it could also be an fau team that was a nine seed taking on san diego state for a wild finish we're going to be remembering that lamont butler shot the same way that we do the chris jenkins shot and the christian leitner shot I think parody is a good thing. I'm with you. Good basketball is good basketball. Our friend Jay Williams over at KJM, not so much. Here's what he had to say about parody and what it's not doing for college basketball. Is parody good for college basketball? No, it's not. It might be mm. fun for a year, but if you have no idea who the help is playing for these teams, where's your rooting interest? If you don't have storylines to follow about who these players are and whether they're ascending or descending or about their backgrounds, yeah, you can sit there and tell me about Dan Hurley all day long, but that doesn't, that doesn't drive me to the TV to watch the game because uh, I'm really excited to see how Dan Hurley is building out his X's and O's. Like, parody is not the answer. That's rich coming from the Duke guy, but <laughs> to calm the nerves of Jay Williams here and others who are saying, I want my blue bloods. They will be back. This is not the an, an indictment on Blue Blood programs being a thing of yesteryear. Heck, we just had another one enter the mix in UConn, winning its fifth national championship on Monday night. Everybody can calm down. The UCLA's, the Kansas's, the I mean, look at the national championship we had last year in the Final Four. Villanova, well, the, Kansas, the Final UNC, Four in Duke. general. Yeah, exactly. 
They're, they're, the, the Blue Bloods are going to be there, and you can attach yourself. And I keep coming back to Marquise Noel. I had no idea who he was going into the tournament, playing for Kansas State. He was one of the stars of the tournament, without a doubt. And you can find out his story, and you know people can tell his story as the tournament is going on. I, I don't think it necessarily has to be the Blue Bloods. You're going to find interesting players. You're going to find interesting teams as the tournament wears on, and you can learn about their stories over the course of the three weeks. Rivalries are important. I understand that people are have fear about losing those if you don't have the same sort of breadth of blue bloods and the big rivalries, UNC, Duke, all those things being relevant. I promise you, though, they're not going anywhere. We just have some new members seated at the table that are shaking up college basketball and doing it in a good way. I'm all here for the parody. I can't wait already for next year's March Madness. Straight ahead here on Canyon and Carl and ESPN Radio and the ESPN app as the Jets wait around for Aaron Rodgers in this saga to play out. An interesting option was floated out there that at least one person likes. We're going to get to that after Gabe tells you about Indeed. If springtime is kicking your hiring season into full bloom, then you need Indeed. Their powerful all-in-one hiring platform makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Just sponsor a post and get matched instantly with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. You can even conveniently schedule and conduct virtual interviews uh, right on the Indeed website. Visit Indeed.com slash credit to get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Sounds like Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are committed to one another. There's only one issue with that. The Green Bay Packers have not agreed to a trade. To be honest, I got nothing on that one, guys. It takes two to tango, so we respect the process, and uh, whenever it gets done, it'll get done. We can wait. We have got a receiver that he's familiar with. We have got a play caller whom I saw Aaron effusively praise Nathaniel Hackett on how good of a relationship he has with him. So we can wait. You're not getting number one. The waiting game drags on another week. It's been about three weeks since the start of free agency. Aaron Rodgers going on the Pat McAfee show to discuss his intent to become a New York Jet next year and leave the Green Bay Packers. Only one problem, the Green Bay Packers still hold his rights for the next couple seasons. He's under contract after signing that massive extension last offseason. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel with you on this Tuesday afternoon. So there's an idea that's floated around there, around the ESPN realm, and a couple people that like it, others who are vehemently <laughs> against it. The idea of drafting a quarterback for the New York Jets at number 13 instead of waiting on Aaron Rodgers. Is this a possibility? Is it a good idea? Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst, sparking some conversation with this take. If they can trade back and do it, it's actually not a bad idea. And greedy. I'm only saying that because even you don't want Zach Wilson to be a hit away from being your quarterback. Now, Mm -hmm. the other problem is, where is Hendon Hooker going to be with his injury situation? He hurt that knee late in the season in Tennessee. But if Will Levis slips, if Anthony Richardson happens to be hanging around at number three, which I don't expect him to, it's actually not a bad idea. Oh, boy. Sparking some conversation there, stoking the flames on the get upset. That take from Ryan Clark prompted Greeny to do this. Let me just respond to that with a question. 
sure, you're going to have Aaron Rodgers and you're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. What could go wrong? <laughs> oh, yeah, everything. This is the worst idea I've ever heard of my He's life. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> I, I, I want this man expelled not only from this conversation, but from all football conversations that are ever to come. Aaron Rodgers is going to lose his mind if the Jets draft Hendon Hooker and you are in for this. You've made your bed. Sleep in it. Aaron Rodgers is the essence of easily aggrieved. Oh, and I'm not, I, can't even, I can't even sit like this. Are you, you want the Jets to take a quarterback in the first round now? We're just finally going to get Rodgers. You're going to piss him off before the whole thing even starts? D. Wood, he's not going to be mad. Per- he's going to be mad. He's going to be frustrated. This he's is not. a disaster. I'm going to fight Damian Woody no. now. An unhinged Mike Greenberg <laughs> on Get Up. Not so keen with the you idea that the Jets. You Damian Woody? Come on now, Green. But it wasn't even Woody's fault. It was That was all yeah. Ryan Clark. <laughs> yeah, Stoking the flames on, a, on Greeny's show. Uh, okay. There's a couple things wrong with this. First of all, learning from the past. You don't draft a quarterback without consulting Aaron Rodgers first. We saw what happened with the Jordan Love situation in Green Bay, and that did not rub Rodgers, um, didn't make him so happy to want to be there much longer. Very much the reason we're in this situation today among the many grievances he has with the front office. Secondly, at 13, wouldn't that be overdrafting someone like Hendon Hooker? I know that mm-hmm. in Todd McShay's recent mock draft, he had him going 23 today to the Minnesota Vikings, and that one makes a little bit more sense to me because Kirk Cousins has one more year left on his contract. He's playing it out this year. Hendon Hooker tore his ACL midway through the Tennessee season last year. Who knows when he's going to be able to play? He wouldn't be in line to play this season. I don't think at 13 that you end up, I mean, uh, uh, frankly, unless one of those quarterbacks fall, which feels very unlikely after you and I just talked to Mel Kuyper, who has quarterbacks going boom, 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 one, two, three, and then Will or uh, Anthony Richardson gone at five to Seattle, so all four of the top four quarterback prospects gone in the top five, doesn't feel too realistic. I also think that there are some other needs. I mean, this is a team that could be built for a long playoff run a quarterback away, it's a foregone conclusion that Aaron Rodgers is going there. Eventually, one party's going to blink before the other. I just don't see a quarterback coming via the draft to the New York Jets this year. Maybe in a year or two if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to stick around, but right now feels a little premature. Aaron Rodgers is coming out of a situation where he feels that the team and the Green Bay Packers didn't build enough around him, didn't ever go in, you know, do the all-in thing, ever draft him a weapon in the first round. And this would make him unbelievably mad. Like, he would just, if you, if you were to trade for him, and it only cost the two seconds, and you're still sitting there with your number one overall pick, and you're the Jets at 13, and then you draft his replacement, you're trading for Aaron Rodgers to make a run at the Super Bowl. Don't try to do this whole have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too thing and be like, oh, now we're set up for when Aaron Rodgers leaves. No, use that as a resource for this team, because the AFC is stacked. The AFC is so unbelievably deep. You need everything that you need in 2023 to try to help you get over in past teams like, you know, the Buffalo Bills, who happen to be in your own division, like the Cincinnati Bengals, and oh, by the way, the defending champs in the Kansas City Chiefs. You still have more to do if you're the Jets to surpass those teams. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is going to help you, but you're you need more, and you need that number one draft pick to fill some of the other holes you have on the Because list. you're probably giving up those two second-round picks that they have, the one that they got in the trade for Elijah Moore as well, 
to use that as trade compensation to get Aaron Rodgers. Maybe those second round picks become a you know first. There's conditions on it. Nonetheless, you can't be giving up you know draft capital and then going to draft a quarterback when quarterback of Aaron Rodgers is there is not your need in the short term. There's other needs. They've got uh, a long way to go before they get there. This idea, though, not one that's going to be brought up kindly on Greeny and on Get Up going forward. Straight ahead, we're going to dive into Todd McShay's latest mock draft. You are not going to believe which quarterback slipped way down his draft board. I'm going to tell you who that is next, coming up on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Okay, football fan, let's get back to some football. This is the Dash for the Draft with Canty and Carlin. Two trades, three quarterbacks off the board in the top three picks of Mel Kuyper's, rather, Todd McShay's latest mock draft. This is Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel, we talked with Mel Kuyper earlier today. His next mock is not coming out for a while, but Todd McShay has one that came out today. The biggest takeaways from all of this. Three quarterbacks going off the board, one, two, and three. The Panthers taking C.J. Stroud, the Houston Texans taking Bryce Young at number two, and then the Indianapolis Colts in a mock trade that Todd proposed with the Arizona Cardinals, moving up one spot from four to three to take Anthony Richardson from Florida. So Stroud, Young, Richardson, the three quarterbacks taken in the first three picks in Todd McShay's latest mock draft. The fourth quarterback we're talking about in this mix of first rounders, Will Levis from Kentucky. Guess where he's going, Gabe? Well, my guess is uh, he's not as high on him as he is, as uh, our guy Mel Kuyper Jr., again, as you mentioned, joined us earlier. Kuyper's got him going three and still has Richardson, though, in the top ten. Uh, my guess is... He's got Will Levis outside of the top 10. At number 14 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who in this mock draft made a mock trade with New England to get that pick at number 14. That would be Will Levis going to Kentucky at the 14th overall pick. I don't hate this because I think a team that is clearly in a rebuild, you heard everybody talk about this at owners' meetings last week when Lamar Jackson's name was brought up. And... It just seems like they are all kind of buying into the fact right now that they are not going to be a good team for a while, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers realize that there have to be some things done to get back to where they were. Todd Bowles, when he was asked about the quarterback situation, said, "No, I think we're I think we're pretty 
frank about where we're at right now, cap-wise, all that, getting a quarterback from the draft would make sense. But to trade up to do it, having to give up some draft capital in the process, this move would end up putting the New England Patriots uh, down at 19. So then they would take an offensive tackle. But four quarterbacks off the board in the top 14, that is what Todd McShay has in his most recent mock draft. Let's hear from the ESPN NFL draft analyst and why he has Will Levis slipping all the way to number 14. Will Levis, listen, I love his brave heart. He's got a heart of a lion. He's big, sturdy, strong, plays the quarterback position like a linebacker with his toughness, but he also puts himself in jeopardy with some of the injuries he's had. He doesn't have great pocket presence like the top two quarterbacks. He doesn't always feel the pressure. 23 interceptions the last two years was the third most among Power 5 quarterbacks, and that Sam Hartman and Aiden O'Connell, the guys who had worse, had three, at least 300 more pass attempts. So there are a lot of questions with Will Levis in his game, but ultimately he's going to be a first-round pick and a player that can develop into a starter if he's in the right system and learns how to protect himself. The four quarterbacks taken off the board again in order. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and then a considerable drop-off before we get to Will Levis. The next quarterback taken, Gabe, Gabe Neitzel, Courtney Carnan with you here on Canty and Carlin. It's one that I don't think many were expecting to see his name called in the first round. It's the Minnesota Vikings, a team that has Kirk Cousins under contract for one more season, taking Hendon Hooker, the quarterback at Tennessee, whose season was cut short last year due to a torn ACL. He finds his way to Minnesota. The Vikings have their option going forward beyond the Kirk Cousins era, whether it ends after this season or not. I like this one. This is some drama that we haven't seen in the later rounds of the first round in mock drafts. This is Mel's, rather, Todd's mock draft 4.0. I think that this one would be a smart move for the Vikings. Don't be boring. Don't do what you do every year and draft a defensive back in the (laughs) 20s. When you have a quarterback who does not need to play right away, he can heal. He can learn from a veteran quarterback. And the writing's on the wall. This is a different situation than when Kellen Mond was drafted in the third round, and it was evident that there was a massive gap and that he was never going to take over for Kirk Cousins. Hendon Hooker very well could be the succession plan here, and it would be wise for the Vikings trying to pick up where they left off in their 13-win season last year to address that position higher in the draft than in the mid-rounds. Yeah, and with Hendon Hooker, it, the, the opinions seem to vary greatly on Hendon Hooker, whether he's a second-round pick, third-round pick, and uh, the, the knee injury obviously just complicates everything, as does his age. But if you really like him, that makes a ton of sense because he would not have to play right away. And the Vikings have seemingly been trying to replace Kirk Cousins for a while now and just kind of look around at the end of a lot of seasons and go, well, I don't know if we can do better, so I guess we have to bring him back. So having some sort of plan to move forward without Kirk Cousins would be great for them. I don't know if Hendon Hooker is the best plan there, but I... It's at least a plan that I think a lot of Vikings fans could potentially get behind in terms of having a plan and moving forward and having a good young core offensively and having another young quarterback to kind of grow with the rest of that team. And what McShane notes here, this is top 30 visit season. This is the time where teams get to know the prospects that they are trying to figure out what their final board's going to look like. Apparently, Hendon Hooker has interviewed really, really well, and his tape is phenomenal. That's Those are the words of Todd McShay writing on Hendon Hooker. And so some teams may actually have him higher on their draft board, according to McShay, than Will Levis. That's interesting to me just because we did see the injuries not only to Hendon Hooker, but what Will Levis, he was banged up. Mel Kuyper told us about that a little bit ago. Why 
there is a discrepancy in belief of who's going where and why Levis may go all the way up at three where Mel has him in his latest mock or all the way down at 14 where Todd McShay has him. The interesting thing, though, over the next 23 days, how are those injuries going to affect what it means in 2023 and what it means beyond that? Because I don't think anybody's taking a look at those quarterbacks that we mentioned. Will Levis, Hendon Hooker, even Anthony Richardson saying, hey, these are polished products. We expect them to play right away. You might not be in a bad spot if you are a team like the Vikings, and I don't think that those top two in the Levis and the Anthony Richardson will be there at 23. But if you're in a spot where you can take on a project and build on that for next year, why wouldn't you? Yeah, and that's why I th- in Mel's draft, you know, his mock draft, he's got, um, you know, the, the the Seattle Seahawks, despite locking themselves in to a quarterback for the next couple of years and after the way Geno Smith played, hey, we need a replacement plan for him and we kind of find ourselves in the top 10. This might be the chance to have one of those project quarterbacks that we believe in and we can go get them. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Lions did the same thing if they look at Richardson or if they look at Levis, if they happen to be there at six and go, well, how long is Jared Goff going to be here as we continue to grow as a franchise? franchise and try to make you know pushes for the postseason there are a lot of teams like that and it wouldn't shock me if all five of these quarterbacks end up going in the first round especially because last year's draft was just so quarterback starved you only had Kenny Pickett who went in the first round last year so a lot of teams are starting to line up in terms of looking for that next quarterback of the future for their franchise 23 days away from round one in the NFL draft. You can hear all the NFL draft coverage right here on ESPN Radio. Our very own Canty and Carlin headed to Kansas City. They will be on site for all three days, bringing you all the action and analysis right here on ESPN Radio. Straight ahead, a big matchup in the Eastern Conference tonight. For one of these NBA teams involved, a lot of change could be coming. We're going to tell you who that is next here on Canty and Carlin. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Boston undefeated against Philadelphia this season, a 3-0 mark. 76ers trying to shift the tide on Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, Celtics and Sixers. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel with you on this Tuesday afternoon, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. 76ers have been on a tear lately, but this might be their last chance as presently built to win a title, a team that has Joel Embiid, an MVP candidate who has had a terrific season in his own right. And the way that this roster is constructed, Stephen A. Smith, the host of First Take, believes the Sixers might not be built for much longer than the 2022-23 season. I believe that if the Sixers don't get it done this year, particularly if there's an early exit, even though I don't think he should be in trouble, I think Doc Rivers would be in trouble. Um, I think that you have to advance deep 
into the Eastern Conference playoff picture for him to be safe. I think that James Harden is not long for Philadelphia. Uh, we've heard mumblings about him going back to Houston. I'm being told he's given the organization indication that that's something that he would not mind. But I think that even though Embiid and Maxi would be there, and the fact is you're going to have an ownership team that's going to look at this franchise and say, wait a minute, the process has been ongoing. What do we have to show for it? Not even a berth in the Eastern Conference Finals? That's unacceptable. With this way, with the way this group has been constructed and the trade that brought James Harden there, some of the other pieces that they moved around, Gabe, the time is running out on the 76ers team. They're in a comfortable spot, third place that they haven't moved from in the Eastern Conference standings right now, 51-27 and 27 record. I just... Stop me if we've heard this before. That's where I go every year, where they (laughs) are thundering here down the stretch of the regular season. Joel Embiid is an MVP candidate. Everyone's getting healthy at the right time. No more Achilles soreness, hopefully, for James Harden, too. And then somehow, some way, something always gets in their way in the semifinals in the Eastern Conference or second round and just seeing them struggle to get to a conference finals. It's the same song and dance year after year with this team. And I just can't buy in until I see it actually happen to believe that it actually can happen this year with as good as the East is and with as top heavy as it is with Milwaukee and then Boston. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that the process, the closest that they got was to the Eastern Conference Finals was the shot from Kawhi Leonard when he was still a member of the Raptors back in 2019. That could be one of the biggest what-ifs for the Philadelphia 76ers. What if that shot doesn't go down, and what if they end up winning that series and going to the Conference Finals? Does it? How, how much does that change their trajectory as a franchise? I mean, who knows if they beat the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals? Who knows if they go on and win the NBA Finals the way that the Toronto Raptors did that year? But... I don't see the Philadelphia 76ers beating the Celtics and Bucks and advancing to an NBA Finals, do you? Like, it no. just doesn't seem like this team, as great as Joel Embiid is, and he very may well be the league MVP this year, he may end up getting Defensive Player of the Year votes and be the Defensive Player of the Year as well. But as good as he is, the rest of the team, just not good enough compared to Boston and Milwaukee in the East, not to mention all the other teams in the West. Not deep enough by any stretch. And yeah, their, fir- for their first round matchup, if this thing ended today, is the Nets. Do I think they're going to have any issue getting past Brooklyn? No, I don't. But we say that every year with their first round matchup. <laughs> Nothing poses a problem to this team until they run into a Boston or a Miami last year or, you know, Milwaukee this year. And Milwaukee's, I mean, you know it all too well, Gabe, being up there. Just seeing that this, this is a team that is the best record in the NBA right now, mm-hmm. the best player in the world right now, somebody who I think should win the MVP. Mike Budenholzer thinks that there's some voter fatigue. We'll see what happens when the award comes out. Best two-way player in the world right now in Giannis Antetokounmpo. So it's and it's not just a matter of that. When you have a healthy bench, when you have a healthy Chris Middleton and everybody else contributing, that's the missing link for this Milwaukee Bucks team. And right now they're clicking on all cylinders to where I look at a team like Philly, I say, you're good, but you're not that level of good. So I can't go all in to think this is going to be the year that they make their run to the Eastern Conference Finals because I've already got it penciled in as Boston and Milwaukee, as does, I think, 99% of people that you talk to. Well, and that's the other thing. The Sixers are locked into that three seed. So if, if 
if somehow Boston's able to erase that two-game deficit and catch the Bucks for the one seed, I mean, the Sixers, no matter what, are still going to have to go through the Bucks and the Celtics in order to go to that Eastern Conference Finals. And they've got the Sixers and the Celtics tonight. If the Celtics win and sweep the season series, how on earth do you have any confidence going up against them in a seven-game series if you're Philadelphia? And, and I don't think Boston or Milwaukee really concerns themselves with Philadelphia. I think those two teams are just concerned with each other, and they're looking forward to a potential seven-game series once again, like they had last year. Last year for the Bucks and Celtics, it was in the semifinals. This year, they're probably planning on playing in the Eastern Conference Finals with the right to go to the NBA Finals. Yeah, not so convinced on it right now, but we do know that Philadelphia is looking for its first win of over the Boston Celtics tonight, that game, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Do you think that they get it? Like, I mean, Boston and where they're at at this point of the season and kind of waffling the last couple months, like they're good, and then they look like they fell off a cliff, like the loss that they had to the Wizards. And they go but then and they down. bounce back and blow out the Bucks I, by 40. And I just don't know. I don't know what to think about that. And I know that Milwaukee had played like five games and seven-game stretch, so I'm going to give them a little bit of uh, leeway there. But – what is this Boston team? I mean, we heard some of the turmoil with, you know, behind the scenes with, with Jalen Brown and all of that. I hope that they can put it together and pick up where they left off last year because you know that that's going to make a very compelling Eastern Conference final if it ends up being Boston and Milwaukee. Yeah, it, it all comes down to can they squash it long enough to make that run? You know, and, and is Jalen Brown going to be distracted? Is he going to be thinking about potentially playing somewhere else, you know, as as the postseason wears on? It, it And you're going to be doing this all with a first-year young head coach. It's it's a tall task for the Celtics. Luckily for them, though, like their first-round matchup, they're not really going to have to worry about. Yeah, they may have to pay attention to the Sixers in the second round, but the East isn't nearly as deep as the West, so it's not oh. as something, it's, it's not as big of an issue being in the East versus being in the West, I think. A completely different picture over in the Western Conference and a Dallas team that is on the outside looking way in. Do the Mavs have a Luka Doncic problem? We discuss next, Candy and Carlin. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.